welcome to Seeking Rents, the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Garcia, the publisher of Seeking Rents, a newsletter where we explore the ways businesses influence public policy in Florida. The name Seeking Rents comes from a term in economics called rent-seeking. And rent-seeking is what's happening when someone with influence, like a big campaign contributor, uses that influence to get elected officials to pass laws that help them take wealth from someone else. The rent seeker is very often a big business or a billionaire, and the people they're taking wealth from are very often frontline workers, everyday consumers, or small independent businesses. This is episode 14. So back in October, a person living in a small apartment in South Florida got an eviction notice. This wasn't because they'd failed to pay the rent or anything like that. They were simply renting their apartment month to month, and their landlord decided to kick them out. The landlord gave this renter just 17 days to pack their things and go. Like so many landlord-tenant relationships, there sure seems to have been an enormous power imbalance here. I'm not going to name names because the people involved aren't public figures, but here's a bit of color all pulled from public records. The tenant in this case was renting a $750 a month unit in a faded 50-year-old apartment complex in one of the poorest communities in all of Florida. It was, quite literally, across the street from sugarcane fields owned by one of the state's big sugar producers. The landlord, on the other hand, is an entrepreneur who owns a bunch of lower-end rental properties and who themselves lives in a $5 million, 13,000-square-foot mansion. But this tenant was able to fight back because their local government, Palm Beach County in this case, had given renters stronger rights by passing what's known as a fair notice law. That fair notice law required landlords in Palm Beach County to give their tenants at least 60 days of notice before terminating a lease. And again, this landlord had only given 17 days of notice. This all ended up in court. And with the help of some local legal aid attorneys, the tenant argued that their landlord had broken this county law. Now, the landlord claimed this was all unconstitutional. That's because there's already a state law in the books that requires landlords to give tenants 15 days of notice before kicking them out. And this landlord argued that a county government had no authority to make landlords do anything more than the statewide minimum. But the judge in the case ultimately sided with the tenant. She issued a ruling in February of this year that upheld Palm Beach County's fair notice law. This was a big deal. Dozens of other communities around Florida have passed fair notice laws too, and this was, I believe, the very first time one of those laws had been tested in court, and it had survived. So this was a win for renters all across the state, but the victory didn't last long. That's because exactly one week later, a new bill was filed in the Florida legislature to dissolve every one of these local fair notice laws. The bill was backed by the Florida Apartment Association, a lobbying group for landlords and apartment developers. It ultimately passed. Every single voting Republican in Tallahassee voted for it. So did a couple of Democrats. And it was just signed into law a few weeks ago by Governor Ron DeSantis, who, by the way, recently pocketed a cool $50,000 from the Florida Apartment Association. I don't think people have yet grasped how significant this is. Ron DeSantis and the Florida legislature, the elected leaders of the supposedly free state of Florida, just stripped important consumer protection rights for more than 1.5 million Floridians. 
We're going to unpack this more in a bit because this is one of the most anti-consumer laws ever signed by DeSantis, who is, of course, now running for president, claiming to be a populist who stands up to corporations. And this new law goes way beyond wiping out fair notice laws, too. It's also a vivid illustration of just how much influence landlords in the apartment industry have over Florida's top elected officials. But there's also a silver lining to this story, one that shows that grassroots advocacy really does make a difference, even when all the odds are stacked against it. But before that, a couple of announcements. First, uh, Seeking Rents has been making the rounds. We just taped an episode of the local hour of the Dan Lebetard show in Miami, where the one and only Billy Corbin had me count down the five worst laws that went into effect in Florida on July 1st. I have to tell you, narrowing that list down to just five was genuinely one of the hardest assignments I've had in years. Our work here at Seeking Rents has also been cited in a number of other outlets over the last few days, too. We were in the uh, Washington Post in a story about free private jet flights that Ron DeSantis has been taking from campaign contributors and some of the policy favors that his administration has done for those same donors. We were also in the Tampa Bay Times, which cited a recent story on seeking rents about efforts by the Speaker of the State House and a big Republican fundraiser to give more than $6 million in taxpayer money to a handful of high-priced and politically connected lawyers. And we were cited in the South Florida Sun Sentinel, too, in an editorial about the influence of the Mosaic Company, the mining giant behind Florida's controversial radioactive roads legislation, which was the subject of a recent podcast, and which is another of those bills that Ron DeSantis just signed into law. I'll post links to all of these stories in the show notes. This is uh, also probably a good time to remind any other journalists out there who might listen to this, if I can ever be of help to you in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out. We obviously do lots of our own reporting here at Seeking Rents. But part of our mission is to also help other legitimate journalists dig deeper into Florida politics, too. So whether you're in Florida full time or parachuting in for a bit to cover the DeSantis presidential campaign, I'm happy to share any public records I've got, connect you with any contacts I might have, or just serve as a sounding board if that's at all helpful. Also, if you haven't already, please sign up for a Seeking Rent subscription at SeekingRentsFL.com. That'll ensure our work, both our stories and our podcasts get sent straight to your inbox the moment it publishes. Subscriptions are free, but you can choose to pay for one too. Please consider paying if you can afford it. Those paid subscriptions help us cover the costs of reporting expenses like public records requests. Okay, with the ask out of the way, let's dive deeper into this week's topic. But before I get back to what Ron DeSantis and the Florida legislature just did to renters in this state, we should probably talk about just how powerful landlords are in the state capitol. Part of this is simply the fact that so many lawmakers are landlords themselves or have close friends or family members who are. It's just one of the most common ways to build wealth in this country, buy property and then rent it out to somebody else. So lots of Florida policymakers are just inherently sympathetic to the concerns of landlords in a way that they have simply never been when it comes to the concerns of tenants. But of course, another part of it is the money. Just one example. Two days after this year's legislative session began, the co-founder of Landmark Properties stroked a $1.5 million check to Ron DeSantis. Landmark Properties is a major apartment developer, particularly near college campuses. If you know the Standard at Gainesville or Saga Tallahassee or the Station at Alafaya in Orlando, those are all Landmark Properties. 
A few weeks after writing that check, by the way, Landmark seems to have hired its first lobbyist in Florida, although it's not quite clear to me yet what specifically the company wanted. Much of the industry's lobbying tends to happen through the Florida Apartment Association. That's that group I mentioned earlier, which represents basically all the major apartment companies, Camden, Mid-America, Highmark, and so on. The Apartment Association is a pretty big donor itself, too. Records show that in the months leading up to this year's session, it gave $50,000 to Ron DeSantis, $65,000 to Republican leaders in the state Senate, and $75,000 to Republican leaders in the state House. All of which is to say that what landlords want, they usually get, at least in Tallahassee. And it doesn't even matter who they're up against. Let me tell you one quick story about that. A few years ago, military base commanders came to the Florida legislature with a problem. More and more service members, particularly those stationed in South Florida, were having trouble finding an affordable apartment to rent. Yes, the price of rent was rising, but the bigger problem, they said, was that some landlords were demanding that service members pay huge security deposits or many months of rent in advance. These landlords apparently did not want to rent to someone who might be shipped somewhere else mid-lease, so they used big upfront costs to keep them out. In some cases, Landlords wanted service members to come up with as much as three months' worth of rent before they could even move in. So some sympathetic lawmakers tried to help, particularly a guy by the name of Senator Doug Broxson, a Republican who represents part of the panhandle, which has a large military presence. Broxson filed legislation that would have set a cap on the amount of security deposit that a landlord could charge a member of the U.S. military. The cap would have been two months' rent, max. The idea was simple small, and in support of a beloved constituency. I mean, this was literally to help the troops, and it still failed. Republican leaders in the legislature killed the cap on security deposits in both 2018 and 2019. What was wild about this is that there was no one lobbying against it in public. It just seeming to die without any opposition at all. But it turns out there was someone lobbying against it behind the scenes the Florida Apartment Association, which later boasted to its members that it met with key lawmakers to convince them to block any caps on security deposits from passing, even if it was just for members of the military. That's how powerful landlords are with Florida politicians, more powerful than the troops. The result of all of this is that Florida has some of the most lopsided laws in the country when it comes to protecting the rights of landlords over the rights of tenants. A couple of years ago, a pair of my former colleagues at the Orlando Sentinel, Caroline Glenn and Desiree Stinnett, wrote an incredible and infuriating series of stories about just how anti-renter Florida's laws really are. The series was called Locked Out, and I'll post links to that in the show notes too. You won't regret reading them. What all of this means is that if you're a renter in Florida or just someone who cares about renters and keeping families housed, the Florida state capital can be a pretty hostile place, which is why renters and tenants' rights groups have turned their attention in recent years to local governments, working with city councilors and county commissioners to help renters in a way that state lawmakers in Tallahassee refuse to. And they've had a bunch of success, too. Some communities have passed local laws protecting tenants from discrimination if they're receiving public assistance essentially forbidding a landlord from refusing to rent an apartment to someone just because they're paying with something like a federal housing voucher. Other communities have passed laws making landlords provide their tenants with an upfront and transparent listing of all the potential fees they might have to pay, or with a pamphlet clearly explaining all the legal rights they have as a tenant. 
Some local laws require a landlord to notify their tenants if they sell the property or if they plan to redevelop it, which is obviously all about giving tenants more time to prepare in the event they have to move. But by far, the most common consumer protection that local communities have embraced are these fair notice laws, like the one we talked about in Palm Beach County. The specific details can vary, but generally, fair notice laws require a landlord to give their tenant at least 60 days of notice before terminating a tenancy. Many also require landlords to give at least 60 days notice if they're going to raise the rent by more than 5% too. After all, if a landlord raises the rent so much that you can't afford it, it may as well be an eviction. Now, it's worth taking a moment here to emphasize something. The laws we're talking about here give renters just very basic protections and courtesies. A fair notice ordinance doesn't protect a renter who refuses to pay or force a landlord to spend millions on renovations. All it does is make sure someone who does everything right, who pays the rent on time, keeps their apartment in good shape, isn't blindsided with an eviction notice or a rent increase that they can't afford. Some people rent the same place for 5, 10, 20 years. Imagine having to suddenly pack up your home and find a new place to live, especially if you're working and caring for kids or elderly relatives too, in just two weeks. Now, maybe you're not a renter and you think, big deal, doesn't affect me. But if you care about kids, if you care about the economy, then you should care about this too. Housing insecurity is an insidious and destructive force. The stress it puts on families and kids is corrosive. It stunts physical and intellectual development. It sucks productivity out of the economy. Here are just two quick data points. Last year, researchers at the University of Texas Southwestern found that mortality rates are higher in U.S. counties where eviction rates are higher. In other words, more people are dying in counties with more evictions. And another recent study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association found that babies are more likely to be born prematurely or at dangerously low birth weight if their mothers had an eviction filed against them during their pregnancy. This is why so many communities have passed these local renter protection laws. Fair notice laws alone have been enacted in seven of Florida's biggest counties, the counties that include Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, Orlando, Tampa, St. Petersburg, and Gainesville. Some smaller places have passed them too. Altogether, something like 55% of all renters in Florida live in a city or a county that has given them stronger rights than the state itself provides. That's more than 1.5 million households. Or at least, those renters did live in a place with stronger rights for renters until June 29th. That's when Ron DeSantis signed House Bill 1417, the law that the Florida Apartment Association and other landlords lobbied through the Florida legislature which obliterates all these local renter protection laws. This legislation basically forbids a local government in Florida from setting any stronger protections for renters than the state itself does. You know, the state whose laws are notoriously hostile to tenants. Again, check out that series Locked Out. This goes far beyond canceling local fair notice laws, too. It would prevent cities and counties from doing anything about security deposits, application fees, screening processes, maintenance responsibilities, and so much more. By the way, this is what's known as preemption, if you've ever heard that term. Preemption occurs whenever a higher level of government, like the Florida legislature, takes away the power of a lower level of government, like a local city council, to act on any particular issue. 
preemption can actually be a good thing. Like when it's being used to set a minimum baseline for things like safety standards or civil rights, but can also be abused, particularly when it is used to undermine local democracy or to protect deep-pocketed special interests. And House Bill 1417 is one of the worst abuses of preemption we've seen in Florida in a long time. It's hard to overstate how far-reaching this new law is. It is expected to overturn something like 40 local laws in 30 cities and counties around Florida. At least half a dozen other local governments were discussing similar laws too, but those were all just killed in the cradle. I'm basing this, by the way, on what was essentially a target list compiled by the Florida Apartment Association, whose lobbyists shared it with some lawmakers in Tallahassee. It turned up in a public records request. Now, it's possible some city or county could try to test this. After all, maybe a judge will rule that the legislature went too far this time in steamrolling a community's right to govern itself. They could pass some new renter protection law, let a landlord sue, and see if it holds up in court, just like Palm Beach County's fair notice law did. But guess what? On the very same day that Ron DeSantis signed House Bill 1417, he also signed another piece of legislation that helps businesses sue local governments that pass laws that businesses don't like. What's more, a local government that gets sued and loses could now end up having to pay a fortune in taxpayer money to that very same business that sued to help pay its lawyers. This other law, which is known as Senate Bill 170, is designed to scare cities and counties out of standing up to big businesses. It's also meant to make sure local governments don't ever test the legislature when Tallahassee decides to stop them from doing things, like providing a few basic protections to renters. And by the way, all of this is on top of another law that Ron DeSantis and lawmakers recently approved that overturned a local rent control referendum that had been approved by nearly 60% of voters in the Orlando area. The Florida Apartment Association lobbied for that law too. Now, I did say there was a silver lining to all this, and here it is. While state politicians in Florida just killed all these local renter protection laws, they did strengthen the statewide minimum, at least a little bit. I mentioned earlier that under state law, landlords have to provide at least 15 days of notice before ending a month-to-month lease. Well, House Bill 1417 doubles that to 30 days. The bill also slightly strengthens the notice requirements for longer leases, too. So this is obviously a loss for the one and a half million or so renting households that had been guaranteed 60 days of notice under the stronger local laws that have now been invalidated. But it's also a win for the other 1 million or so renting households who live in communities that hadn't provided any stronger local protections. So at least someone is getting a bit of help out of this otherwise terrible new law. And that, by the way, is entirely because of all the grassroots work that renters, activists, and local elected officials have been doing to make Florida a slightly safer place for tenants. They raised the bar so high that not even Ron DeSantis, the Florida legislature, and the Florida Apartment Association could lower it all the way back down. It's a good reminder that even when state leaders have been utterly captured by a special interest, advocacy and activism can still make a difference. So don't ever stop trying to make things better. All right, that's it for this week. Before I go, I want to recommend a book called Evicted. It's the smartest book I've ever read on the personal, societal, and economic impacts of housing insecurity. 
It was written by Princeton University professor Matthew Desmond, who spent more than a year following eight families struggling to stay housed in Milwaukee. It's heartbreaking. It's enraging, but it's also encouraging. It's changed the way I think about a lot of things, from rent control to public housing. If you care about housing or poverty or just public policy in general, this book is worth your time. Once again, if you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe at SeekingRentsFL.com and maybe pay for it if you can afford to. And if you've got any feedback on this pod or suggestions for future stories or pods, my contact info will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, everybody. See you soon. Thank you.